it going oh good sorry I feel like I told you that I was like oh yeah like let's start recording now and then I like sat in my stupid amazing inflatable blow-up couch on the patio for 17 minutes (laughs) (laughs) I was like so lazy (laughs) oh no oopsies plus that thing is so I love I love it it's also one of those that like you just get so cozy in and then you're like Well, getting up is going to be a chore unto itself, so (laughs) better just stay. Better just sit here forever. Yeah. How are you? Oh, pretty good. I have nothing to do today, which is nice, but it also meant that, like, I didn't start reading until super late and I didn't like make coffee until super late because I was just like, I can take an hour doing everything. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's really hard without, I was actually just thinking that cause I had all these deadlines for like a bunch of different things this past week. And yeah, I was thinking that of like, Oh my God, even on deadlines, my level of like, before I even start something, it's still very long. So like, if I don't even have a deadline, it's like, am I ever going to start that? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Oh my god. Also, every time I close this door, right now Murphy, it's Murphy. It's usually another one, but today it's Murphy who's like flailing her paw under the door, <laughs> under the door like Ball. frantically. Oh, update. We did actually, I might have already said this and it's also not as exciting as my tone made it sound, but uh-huh. it's exciting to us. Uh-huh. We finally got our bedroom door fixed so that oh, it actually latches now. Nice. So the cats can't just like push it open. Franklin used to put his little paw under it and he would just like pull uh-huh. and it would just open. Uh-huh. Or push, whichever side he was on. Right. And now they can't do it. And now I think they're real upset. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> what do you mean? This is too hard for me to do. Why is this stuck? Why can't I Why, do yeah. this anymore? I know it went from like being broken for us to being broken for them. (laughs) (laughs) Also, happy Black Cat Appreciation Day, everyone. Black Cat Appreciation. Shadow feels everyone's love because he's also sitting. He's actually like so hysterical right now. He's like draped partially off of our desk, kind of like just in this like regal, like I can't even be bothered to be fully on this desk, but I still have to be higher than everyone else. (laughs) Way. <laughs> um, speaking of appreciating black cats, if anyone wants a little black kitten, <gasps> I did you find a kitten? I know of one. No, I didn't find oh, it. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. But I know of one that needs adopting in Virginia. Oh, really? Yeah. Apparently, uh, one of Lee's friends had a cat, or like found a litter of cats, or had a cat that had a litter of cats. I'm not sure how they ended up with kittens fair fair but all of them got adopted except for the little black runt oh and that's what you guys said i was always i was so surprised when like and also was like pointedly telling john like see it is harder to adopt out black cats because i remember (laughs) you guys told me that and i had no idea because i black animals are harder to adopt out 
because oh. a people don't like black cats superstition but also it's a, i think a little bit tragically because they don't take good pictures you like can't get a good picture oh. of a black animal because like shadows you know and it is so true but like when you post them they just like never have a good like cute relatable picture because it's just kind of like all one black blob <laughs> if you will but here's the thing okay here's the thing i'm putting it out there if anyone is thinking about adopting a black kitten or this black kitten a get in touch with us we'll we'll get you in touch with the people who have the kitten and also b talk to me because I'm not even a great photographer, but I think that, the, you know, the way that all of our iPhones are, like, so fancy now, and, like, I don't even use all of my, all the features on my phone, but I've used, I've learned, like, a couple different, like, lighting tricks, even just with the little, like, box, you know, like, framing box of photos. I think that my photos of Shadow, I mean, definitely there are some that I'm, like, it's too dark in here right now. I'm just not going to be able to get a picture of you. <laughs> Can't see you. <laughs> so it is a little bit trickier, but I think I have some really good pictures of him. And I think sometimes they're more striking because his eyes are so, you know, they like pop so much out of his little, little uh, furry face. And like, yeah. So if you're also thinking about adopting a black kitten, I 100% support it. And also get in touch with me. I'll help you figure out how to take pictures of a black kitten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've got I mean, tips. I don't. I don't necessarily think that it's like the owners have a problem getting pictures of their own cats. I think it's like when shelters <gasps> post pictures oh. of the cats, people look at it and they're like, eh, you know, because they're not like as like, you know, you see like another animal that's oh. like a different color and they just like look more like relatable, I guess, because you can see all of their features. Oh my God. That's so interesting. I just like, I mean, I think I put my own social media bias onto it. I just assumed people were being shitty and were being like, I'm not going to get good Instagram pictures for this cat's Instagram account, which no, no shade, guys. Yeah. I mean, I mean, all of our cats could right. easily have Instagram accounts. I'm just saying. For sure. No, I think it's like that instant, like, first impression. They're, they, like, don't have as good of one because their pictures on, like, oh. they never turn out as well. That's so sad. It is sad. So go see them in person because yeah. they're just as cute. Trust me. I think they're honestly sometimes cuter. Like the, sometimes Shadow will just be, well, Shadow is also like a tiny demon in a cat's body. But he's like so sweet. And like sometimes I'll just like open, <laughs> this is going to sound a little creepy. But like sometimes I'll just open the bathroom door and he'll just be like sitting right in front of the bathroom door staring at me. No, These are the sure. times I mean, all cats do that. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, this is also the time that he doesn't, like, actually follow me into the bathroom and just, like, that's, like, a ritual we have together. Mm -hmm. Um, But sometimes I look at him and I'm just, like, you're so regal. Like, he's just so pretty and, like, just so, like, striking. I'm talking about you. (laughs) Hey. He's like, yeah, continue, continue. Yes, yes. But, oh, I just love, I also will say, too, I mean, we obviously found him on the street, so I you know, don't know if I would have been swayed by any kind of, you know, photo from a, a shelter or not. But um, part of the reason that I insisted we keep him was because of the like, you know, black cats, witchy, superstition-y, like, I was like, no, I need to have a Halloween I'm, cat. I want this. I want this in my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And if anyone is afraid of taking a runt black cat, we also have experience with one of those. <laughs> we do. Oh, Herbert. Our favorite Herbert. cat, Herbert, <laughs> is like, oh, he's just the best cat. We actually, those cats were born in 
well, oh my god, should we tell the story? So Demet- where did Dimitri come from? The, the Dimitri came vet? from the vet. Yeah, we adopted her on purpose and then didn't get her spayed in time. Oops. Oh. <laughs> Oopsies. And then there are like tons of barn cats around. So she and she was tiny. She was like the tiniest little cat. Yeah, very itty bitty. And she got immediately pregnant and then had kittens in our closet. <laughs> in our growing closet. Up. Yeah. She only had four were... and we kept two of them. <laughs> yeah. And they were just like all the sweetest well most of them were the sweetest chancy is like kind of hysterical so we basically we kept the all black cat kitten which was the runt and then an all white cat chancy who is like the most she's like kind of super she's, annoying yeah she's <laughs> a little bit of a diva i think she's calmed down in her old age a little bit yeah i think so too because she's not as spry she can't like run anymore <laughs> <laughs> she also, to be fair, was never really like Herbert was so loving to like all of us, I think, because mm-hmm. he was the runt and we all helped kind of like nurse him back to health. And, you know, he's just so friendly and loves all of us. But Chansey, I think, was always pretty solidly like dads or moms, like just always in their room. And like yeah. we never really bonded with her. She was a bedroom cat. Unfortunately, they're both so old that they can't get up the stairs anymore. I mean, oh no they can still get around like trust me they're they're out and about they go outside they like you know have a nice little first floor cat life but they can't go up and down the like our you know big floor to floor stairs oh which is too bad but chancy has taken over the dog bed now that we don't have a dog <laughs> oh okay well that kind of worked its own way so you know. she has her own little like princess chair in the sunroom that she <laughs> or princess padding in the sunroom that she sleeps on and she's she's friendly now princess like, yeah she like still stays to herself but she is i think the only cat that we have currently that will let you rub the belly fluff <gasps> oh i don't think i know her in this stage of her life yeah i mean i i think she's always been okay with it i just like have never she's never been like friendly enough to like lay there as I pet her you know she's always kind of been like don't touch me yeah she Uh, was also the one that had that hilarious tendency of um she was such a diva about drinking water that she would want you to turn on when she found out that faucets were a thing she was like I will only drink from faucets and so she would like we have this little like drinking water spout no that's not right like a little basically like a filter spout on the side of one of our sinks and I think that was the one that we even put like a little didn't mom like hollow out a cork so that yeah. we wouldn't get like cat saliva in our drinking water no that was dad's doing oh well, was it, was, it it was mom's <laughs> doing but because dad like wouldn't drink out of the faucet anymore because it had cat spit on I think I don't think the rest of us cared we were like yeah whatever I mean yeah what else is covered in cat saliva in this house <laughs> literally everything oh my god that's actually a really good pickup into where we are in this book because the last section so welcome to paranormal captivity this is just where this intro goes now (laughs) it's at the end of us yelling about all of our cats (laughs) Um, the end of the personal cat stories yeah um because at the end so we are welcome to paranormal captivity we are reading we are back in the cat who cat who which is exciting. And we are reading The Cat Who Went Into the Closet, which I will say should actually be The Cat Who Went Into a Shit Ton of Closets because there are so many fucking closets in this house. Or more like The Cat Who Raided a Shit Ton of Closets because I'm yeah. not sure he can actually get into them 
they're so packed full of things i think he just like paws around until he finds something interesting that's true that is true um and uh yeah the place we left off was uh we got a little tying it back in the segue here is cat saliva because the last time we saw coco and yum yum they were underneath a table and they were licking up donut crumbs donut crumbs yeah although that was quillerin's just like deflection basically because junior had just given quillerin his theory on why grandma gage killed herself and coco disagreed heartily and quillerin Mm -hmm. was using the donut crumbs as an excuse to say like oh no he's just excited to eat these donut crumbs under the table but yeah we are all led to believe and i definitely believe that coco is just being like no i'm so sorry junior your grandmother did not die by suicide because she believes in reincarnation that's probably not what happened probably not what happened yeah well we do get a few more clues in this section yeah i was worried at first that we weren't going to get any because (laughs) it started off so slow (laughs) it's true yeah not a ton happens although we do get the slow kind of drawn out mystery in this part about the disappearance of gil inchpot yeah so we uh i think that's the the first thing that happens we got the uh little lead in the last chapter that some uh little farm girl was looking to talk to Quillerin about a mystery and he was like I don't care about this at all and went about other things but in this chapter it starts off with him meeting her yeah and I have been very disturbed by her descriptions numerous times yep. <laughs> they hate, are them. hate them all very They're problematic <laughs> they are not meant to be problematic in any way they just read very creepily <laughs> they read so creepily and I hate them. <laughs> I hate them all. Yes. This is a yeah, very they're strong. All, they're all terrible. She seems lovely. She does seem lovely. And I think what Lillian Jackson Braun is going for is basically the dichotomy of being like, she looks, you know, kind of like the thing of like, some people you might see of being like, that person looks like they're in high school. But then once you get to know them, it's like, oh, well, no, they are actually a grown adult and they are knowledgeable about this. Like, you know, once something even in the way that like some people when they start talking about like something they're passionate about they just kind of look different to you you know if that makes any sense I think that's kind of what she's going for but especially that bit where like she's taught or uh, she writes about like Quillerin goes to meet Nancy this is Nancy Fincher um, a local farmer a local farmer's daughter and um we mentioned her in the previous episode of there was just a little clue of, you know, uh, Quillerin had been kind of set up to meet her just in the way of she has a potential mystery that she needs advice on and Quillerin doesn't care. But in this section, he meets her, but it, there is a, a moment where he meets her like a second time and he talks about, or like, it, there's like a line of like, and he wasn't going to tell Polly that he was going to meet like, you know, a girl and a younger woman and a younger like smaller like something something I don't know that description especially I was like I don't love this I don't love yeah this. so we should probably back up and describe what is actually going on yes so definitely. sorry <laughs> <laughs> so the chapter starts out Quillerin goes to whatever bar that his next performance his next burning man performance <laughs> is going to be at the Quillerin burning man the Quillerin Burning Man, the burning of pickaxe in 19 something something, 1869. 16, 16, 1869. Oh. <laughs> yes. 
Um, yeah, so this bar is in Burr. Burr. The town of Burr. You have to B-R-R. say it like you're cold. <laughs> Burr. <laughs> Burr. Yeah, so this town is called Burr. So he goes there and he just is there to like check out the stage and the setup and whatever. Um, but he also goes there to meet Nancy, this farm girl that he's been uh, told about who has a mystery for him. So when they meet, she seems like like very like mild mannered, like very meek, very shy, like a little bit embarrassed about um, coming to him. But he eventually gets out of her that her dad's been missing for a few days. Yeah. Um, so that's the mystery, the problem that she was coming to him with and he's like oh well actually this is this is a little interesting let me poke around with this a little bit Mm -hmm. but yeah so she was described as um it seems like she's probably like a really small adult like very uh very slight frame like looks very like meek and mild-mannered but also like a little doe-eyed like she's described as looking and sounding like a 12 year old which I hate that they described her as that because then like it's super weird when Quillerin is like he to to be fair he's not like huffing into his mustache or like anything like that but he does make like there are some little comments like oh you gotta be aware of like women with this kind of like needy expression especially when they look like they're 12 and I'm like ew that's gross yeah, oh that, that was the line yeah I was trying to remember the exact line because some of it is just more descriptor and I was you know still creeped out but trying to put in a different category mm-hmm. but yeah there were like one or two lines that were specifically related to Quilleran and how he was like framing her I was like no thank you yeah yeah and I think the the line that you were thinking of when he was uh telling Polly that he was gonna like meet up with this girl to talk about to just to talk about her you know like her issues and he was gonna oh he was interviewing her oh yeah or something else that you know we'll get into later but yeah the descriptor was like oh but he didn't want to tell Polly that it was like this you know like young farm girl with a voice of a child and I was like no that's another gross one hate it no I mean it doesn't help too that like all the Jeffrey Epstein stuff is happening this week as we're recording this and like just yeah it it felt unlike not that this would ever be like anything that felt comfortable at all but it also felt especially uncomfortable yeah it's not yeah, and I don't, I don't know what time frame this book was written in, but I would like to think that that's always an inappropriate description. Uh, yeah, I would, I would hope, I would think. I don't, yeah, I don't, yeah, this is definitely one of those that I, there are, like, I feel like everything else we've kind of come up against in this book, it's kind of been like, oh my god, sorry, do you hear, oh, maybe not, Franklin's on the other side, just like, meowing at the door. No. <laughs> discontent oh franklin um but yeah i feel like everything else has kind of been like okay like you know we use different terms now or you know about what how we describe women or how we portray women or like things like that especially but yeah this was one i don't really have a handle on to be honest yeah i just don't like it no me neither yeah but luckily those are the only places well i guess so far we're only halfway through um there were only those, you know, two two points there. And like you said, yeah, there is definitely no, like, overt 
you know, breathing into his mustache. There's no ever clear tie that he actually is attracted to her in any way because of her being very young. And I also wonder, too, if, like, he is so concerned about his reputation that part of it maybe is purely reputation-based of, like, oh, I don't want to be seen as, you know, chasing someone who looks so young or something like that. Yeah. So, who knows? But... Who knows? Right. Well, during the the meeting we do talk a little bit yeah about her father um so he's been missing for like a few days she had gone to uh to dinner with him one night and then like a few days later the mailman told her that the his mail was piling up she went over he was gone his truck was gone his dog was still there it looked like he had just kind of disappeared mm-hmm. um so she was worried about that but we also learn that she has a profession of her own outside of potato farming, which is what her dad's farm is, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty cool. She is a dog sledder. She is. And then it turns around in that, like, um, oh, yeah. And, like, her slight, you know, because she's so small, her slight frame is, you know, kind of helpful in the same way that jockeys, because they're so small, they're lighter, and so you can go faster. And that's kind of helpful in her, you know, love of dog sledding. Yeah, and so she she breeds and raises huskies to be sledding dogs. Um, so she has like twenty seven dogs of her own, and yeah, that's that's like her her thing. She had lived up in Alaska for a while and came back with the love of dog sledding and brought it to pickaxe or to Burr. To Burr, she, she she lives in Burr. Which she um, mentions briefly, like she does, they talk about that a little bit um, mm-hmm. in this convo. Mostly they just talk about kind of the particulars of her dad being, being, being missing and kind of the little clues that she's found here and there. Like it is really sad. She, um, we get a sad dog moment in this because she has, um, so basically the timeline of her dad being missing, she went over to his place, I think on a Sunday night um, and they had dinner together. She cooked him dinner and then it's now Wednesday, I believe. And she said that she had gone over. Right. The mailman had said, oh, the mail's piling up. And then she had gone over there. And his dog hadn't been fed in days, which was really sad. So she's taking care of his dog now and had, you know, sort of taken the dog out of the. And, like, the place was apparently a mess. And um, I think that was it for this part, for this, like, meeting part. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, no, she did say, too, so we do find out kind of briefly, we hear a lot more about this in later chapters, that she was married to, well, she didn't even say this. She said that she had gone to someone in the sheriff's deputy's office because Quillaren's like, oh, have you gone to the police? And she says, yes, I talked to a sheriff's deputy that I happen to know. She doesn't go into detail um, and then says, but but the sheriff's deputy kind of blew me off and said that he's probably just on a on a uh, bender. And Kaloran's like, oh, does he drink? And she's like, well, kind of, yeah, but he's never been gone like this before. Like, it's always just like, he'll be drunk, not the next morning or whatever. Um, So we get kind of that little bit. And then the bartender says later that this guy that she had talked to in the deputy's office, she had actually been married to. No, she actually, she says that she's she was married to him. Cause oh, Kaloran, she does? Yeah, Kaloran asked his name, and they had the same last name. Oh. So like, oh, any relation? Oh, I was married to him. And then he asked her dad's name, which is a different last name. So she's Nancy, what, Fink? Fincher. Fincher. Um, yeah, but her, her dad's name is, has a, he has a different last name. 
Uh, oh, right, Inchpot, yeah. Mm-hmm. Inchpot. Yeah, which Quillerin recognized and was like, oh, yeah, I know that name in the farming community. It's a good reputation for being, like, a you know, good potato farmer. Right, yeah. Oh, and that's the other thing is that she's so worried because it's, like, as we uh, excitedly said last time, we are fully into fall because, I mean, fall is the best. And even though it's August, we are starting to celebrate Halloween now. Yeah. Um, and but the sad side of that is that frost is coming and he has this whole huge potato farm that he has not harvested yet that's the other thing that like really tipped her off that like this probably wasn't done of his volition because uh prime potato harvesting time and if he doesn't harvest before the frost which is coming any day now um he's gonna lose his entire crop of potatoes like acres and acres and acres yeah um yeah, so Quillian does offer to help with that, but unfortunately it seems like all of the farmers are kind of scrambling to get their crops going, so it's you know, slim slim pickings when it comes to farm help these days. Yeah, and it is sad because Quillian does later in this segment, um, we've read chapters uh, 4 through 9? Mm-hmm. 4 through 9? Um, 5 through 9? Yeah. 5 through 9. And uh, later he feels really guilty about not doing more, but he really does. He like, he doesn't know anything about farming and he does ask a number of different times and people kind of say they're going to try to help and then don't really do anything. And then the frost comes and supposedly, I mean, we don't really get confirmation in this, in this section of the book, but I, you know, it's, I think it's safe to assume the potatoes are donezo. Um, I mean, I'm still holding out hope that some like farmers in the the dark of night were like, let's go together and help them. Cause oh, we do, yeah. We do learn um, in, at some point in the chapter in some conversation that uh, what's his name? Inchpot? Uh, Gil. Gil. That Gil Inchpot um, was like a really just kind of like friendly, helpful guy and would like help people who like broke down on the side of the road and like help fix cars or like you know gas people up if they ran out of gas oh yeah or and would like always be the first to like help in the community so i'm i'm holding out hope that some farmer that quiller and talked to was like you know what guys let's rally but you know we yeah. obviously haven't gotten to that part yet so we don't know the potatoes could be goners that's true the potatoes could be goners <laughs> <laughs> which would be it was sad. Who doesn't love a good potato? Oh, because potatoes are so fucking delicious. As a small aside, I was devastated last night. John and I went out to one of our favorite like local bars, and I got a burger. I got this really great veggie burger, and I don't. I realized they have such good fries there, and I realized I had not ordered fries with my burger. <gasps> no, and so they did not come. And John consoled me by saying we would have lots more fries this week, but I was still so <laughs> devastated. And it was so busy, I like couldn't get their attention again, and we were like trying to get back home, so it was a whole thing. But boo, uh, that is my plight, my sad yeah. um, fry. I had a really sad fry moment the other day too. Oh, no. I was like, <laughs> I was on a road trip uh, for work. I had to <laughs> go do a, a summer meal site visit that was like three hours away so it took the whole day it was a whole big thing oh no um but i stopped at chick-fil-a for lunch on the way home because i was like mm, waffle fries that sounds so good yeah. and they were soggy <gasps> what i was very upset <laughs> excuse me chick-fil-a how dare they were you so gross like first of all i was 
a little bit mad because I took them out and was like, um, these are only half full. What's going on here? What is going and on then, here? That's so weird. Yeah. And then they were like flappy. Like they had obviously Ew. been cooked, but not long enough. I don't love the term flappy as it pertains to fries. <laughs> I will just tell yeah. you that much right now. <laughs> so I was real upset because I was already like breaking my low carb diet that I'm testing out and oh. I was breaking it on flappy gross potatoes. Yeah, that is really not worth the not worth the time. <laughs> not worth the time. Oh my god. Or so. the carb calories. No. Oh my god. Well, if that doesn't just tell you the sad situation in which these fries, these fries, these potatoes are, <laughs> that that says it right there. These are flappy. Yeah. Well, these are probably rock hard potatoes because they're frozen in the ground. But yeah, um, but then they're going to turn flappy because they're going to thaw and they're going to be gross and soggy. I wish you could see the face I just made. <laughs> did not love the prospect of that <laughs> oh, God. Potatoes. Oh, flappy potatoes so <laughs> moving on from flappy potatoes uh yes quillard so this is this bar is a place that he's doing his next performance mm-hmm. he has moved on from the school performances but he has not left performing to children behind because we do get a little bit later. I think there are a few things before the the performance, but um, he does yes. perform to lots of children again, and he gets equally annoyed this time too. <laughs> well, he he performs to a very large crowd and gets very annoyed at one particular child, which I must admit I like a thousand percent relate children. to what he was annoyed at. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I actually thought of you. <laughs> Because I know this isn't a thing with, like, everyone, but it absolutely is with me. And it's, like, so should we should we jump ahead? This is not the next thing in the book. <laughs> yeah, this, this doesn't really necessarily correlate to any clues timeline-wise. Oh, no. It doesn't. Yeah, so he has his next performance, and it's, like, a packed house. It's in this bar. It's, like, everything's set up great. And, like, nothing really goes wrong, but there's one child in the front row that, like, won't stop, like, flapping her feet. Yeah. <laughs> flapping. More, more, more flappiness. Um, won't <laughs> more stop, flappiness. like... More <laughs> Like, uh... What would you call it? She wasn't tapping her, her feet. Her legs, like... She was, like, swinging her legs because they didn't reach the floor. So she was, like, swinging her legs in the front row. And they were – she was wearing, like, white pants or, like, white stockings or something. So they, like, showed up and were, like, super bright in the front row. And he kept seeing movement out of the corner of his eye. And, like, got so annoyed. And I absolutely, a thousand percent, know exactly how he was feeling. Yeah. (laughs) it's so distracting and it's so stressful when you like can't focus on something because there's like a little motion like that like kind of rhythmic motion going on in the sidelines yeah I mean it definitely seemed kind of like the cyclical thought type thing that like I I don't experience with these specific kind of things but I do experience with anxiety in general whereas like it's almost like that what's that like that I don't know if it's like a psychological test or like whatever it is of like hey don't think about elephants and then like literally all your brain can do is think about stupid elephants or delightful (laughs) elephants any kind of elephant I don't mean that they're stupid I mean that your brain just like especially as you're performing too or as you're trying to do anything else he even says like oh I can't 
he like he has a really funny moment that like could seem bitchy but i actually was like no he like needs to say something he in like the intermission Pixie's in the back and she's like oh like everyone loves it and he's like yes okay great get that kid out of the front row I can't concentrate <laughs> and it's like yeah you gotta say something if it's like really yeah. distracting your performance and like the thing that everyone is there to see and even not like even if it's in your normal life if something like that is you know hindering even like anything you're doing you know find a way to remove yourself or the person <laughs> or the person he finds a way to remove the kid from the front row but then she's still like in a prominent place like he still sees her yeah and it's funny because again i know like this exact feeling and it's like it's like once someone like violates that <laughs> like once they're like chewing too loud or once they're like tapping their feet or like this happened to me in like, I don't know how I made it through college, to be honest, mm. because, like, classrooms are the worst oh, for this. There's yeah. always someone that, like, sits behind you and, like, taps their foot on the back of your chair or, like, Ugh. someone who sits to the side and, like, like taps their pencil or, like, even does that thing, you know, where they, like, baton twirl their pencil Ugh. in their fingers. Yes. Like, out of the corner of your eye yeah and like testing is the worst because there's always like at least three people in like different parts of the classroom doing that oh god but yeah it's like as soon as someone does that and like kind of puts themselves in that like obnoxious position it like doesn't matter if they stop doing it that person is always annoying to you right they are the <laughs> offender forever and so, yeah it's like that is like forever the person who like distracted you for that entire test yeah. or like forever the person that you don't want to sit next to right well yeah because you then know they're gonna do something like yeah. they're definitely fidgety they're never gonna be like safe to sit near <laughs> they've broken your trust yeah absolutely like but yeah anyway so Quillerin like latches onto this girl and like even though she isn't in the front row anymore he like sees her walking to the bathroom and he's like those white legs get them out of here (laughs) it is also I mean she does re-offend too because she uh you're right not only is still continuing to like flap her legs in whatever other part of the audience she's in now but she also to go to the bathroom walks across the stage like, she gets up onto the stage to go to the bathroom and then, like, comes up even, for, like, walks across the full stage to get back. And, like, apparently no one really cared. But, like, to Quillerin, obviously, he was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, triple offense. Yeah. Here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you are reoffending. You will never be rehabilitated by the system. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. But apparently that performance does go well. Um, and then he, after that, has another talk with Nancy uh, Fincher. But I think there are some things before that that we should get to, but I can't think of them right now. Yeah, well, I think before that, he actually goes to her uh, farm and interviews her for a dog sledding article. Oh, yeah, which was hysterical because did you catch that one part where Quillerin is telling Polly of like, oh, I'm going to interview this dog sledder Um and like something else and Polly it said uh Lillian Jackson Brown just wrote it so hilariously and was like Polly was accustomed to Quillerin's um uh constant declarations that he was going to write something and then not follow through with it which is us too (laughs) yeah for sure but yeah he goes to her um he I think he sends it out as a gesture of like 
oh, you're going through a hard time. Do you want me to give you some publicity? He doesn't say it like that, but he's like, you want me to kind of distract you, give you some publicity for your dog sledding? And she is really excited about it. So he goes to her place and and uh, interviews her about her her many, many dogs. Yeah. So I'm not really sure we learn anything super exciting from that. I mean, we we meet her dogs. Uh, we see the inside of her trailer. Um, oh, the uh, the police show her ex-husband shows up at the end. But I'm, I can't remember if that's where we learn something interesting. But she does at some point have a couple of interesting tidbits um, that we learn about her. You know, we are getting kind of like different clues from her and the police about her father's disappearance. And I think at this point or like right before we learn that they actually found her father's truck at the airport. Yes, that's right. We do learn that pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah. So uh, we learn one extra little tidbit right at the end. That's a cliffhanger. But I think the the airport, the truck at the airport was a pretty early discovery. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, looking into it, they discover that he didn't buy any plane tickets, at least not under his name. So it's still kind of a mystery, you know, where, well, A, where he is, but then like B, where he went and why his truck is at the airport. Right. And apparently this is still... You know, I don't know the exact year here, but I think we are we are definitely still pre nine eleven. So this is the time where you can actually buy a plane ticket under a different name and and go, actually go somewhere under a different name that's not, you know, substantiated with lots of other documents. Mm-hmm. So they're still kind of considering that. Quillerin does go to this happens kind of early too. Quillerin does go to the one police officer in uh well we now know is not the only police officer in pickaxe <laughs> but seems like it andrew brody and uh kind of they kind of have that jibey back and forth like kind of making fun of each other a little bit type relationship but he does kind of go to him and and gets him to start looking into uh like looking i think that was before so i think that's how they found the cars that he they were already looking mm. for it um but so the pickaxe police even though this is in a different town and Andrew Brody is like, that's not our jurisdiction um, has started looking into it slightly as well. Yeah. Because he has a, a bone to pick with Sheriff Dan, the ex-husband. He's like, Oh, that lumphead. I'm going to show him. <laughs> Lump- <laughs> find this guy first. Lumphead is a great, he, there were some great <laughs> insults, like low level, but very creative insults, which I really enjoyed from Andrew Brody. <laughs> yeah that one is pretty great lumphead being one of them (laughs) yeah for sure um there was oh you know what else we missed oh what halloween oh my god i actually even made a note to be like we have to talk about fucking halloween because a the out the like what what was it the goblin hour or the oh my god there were so many good terms that i was like it old-timey halloween was fun (laughs) and also we are currently starting our halloween celebrations right now it's true it's true hobgoblin that's what it was the the, hobgoblin hour hour. right so the so in pickaxe the they kind of make a little bit of fun of it early on uh in the section the police actually put out a little bulletin being like okay hobgoblin hour trick-or-treating this is what 
everyone is doing. This is, these are our roles. They basically give an hour and a half and it's like between six and seven thirty PM children are allowed to, and then it like lists out like what, how the kids can and can't trick or treat. And uh, it's like very strict of like children must stay in their neighborhoods unless accompanied by an adult children must like, you know, all these different, like very specific things. And, um, but apparently everyone does have a good time including our pal Quill. Yeah, Quillerin has a uh, quite a little setup going on. Yeah, he does his like typical thing of being like, "Ugh, I have to do what? And Polly's like, yeah, you have to prepare for trick-or-treaters. And he's like, all right, fine. And you like think he's doing something lame, which I guess he kind of is. He bought a bush- like this huge bushel of apples that he's still giving away to people. But he yeah right buys apples and then for like maybe a chapter you don't really know what he's doing yet and then he gets so fucking into it (laughs) yeah well I think (laughs) I feel like the purpose of it was to be like a curmudgeon that doesn't want to give anything away to children because he (laughs) spends like an hour recording these like terrifying noises Mm -hmm. And, like, building a skeleton that, like, <laughs> pops out of the doorway. So when the kids come up and ring the doorbell, like, the noises go off. And then, like, a skeleton comes out with an apple in its hand. And, like, <laughs> the first, like, you know, few groups of kids just, like, run away screaming. <laughs> yep. And then the second group is, like, all apples. <laughs> yeah. They're all, like, yeah. Then there was one group that was, like, I know this guy. He does the play. And oh, then yeah. an apple comes out. And they're, like. like that's lame i think like what the hell i think that was actually the kid oh because the other little thing that we get is that we do find out that the orange cat belongs to the lawyer next door because there's a small little moment where so that kid is the lawyer's son who i can't remember if we mentioned this last episode but uh i don't think we did at the end of quillerin's uh preview performance the very first one he did um the lawyer comes over and is like great job like this is my son and then i don't know something something uh, he offends quillerin in some way shape or form the small child and um as most small children do and uh then later we see after that whole cat debacle of last episode um where the cat like sprays on his door and quillerin may or may not be suing someone over it um this kid comes in so that cat is in Quillerin's yard again because the kid comes over and is like I'm looking for my cat and Quillerin's like kind of yelling at this kid a little bit of like you got you better get your fucking cat out of my yard and like does another like curmudgeonly old man move of like and then it was kind of funny because the kid the kid finds the cat and then you get the the image of the kid basically like holding the cat like under his arms like both of his little like all well all four of his legs just like like dangling and the cat kind of like swaying you know carries the cat back to his house but so that kid is the same kid that later is like i know you is he i think so yeah yeah okay he's like i don't like apples yeah well they all we did get uh you know kids complaining about the apples but we also find out that polly is in back handing out candy so they all like <laughs> eventually learn to skirt quillerin's part of the house <laughs> and go straight to the little like cottage in back to to go trick-or-treat at polly's right which thank god for polly and is also why quillerin still has like 
bushels of apples that he's just handing out in brown paper bags to like everyone he meets for the rest of these chapters yeah it's like for the rest of the chapter every time he meets someone he's like great i'll bring apples (laughs) do you like apples i got some it's like we could all have apples it's fall in the middle of uh you know farm country of course we all have apples right um so yeah that was really funny and i did obviously love just all the halloween stuff i've already bought halloween stuff at uh the 99 cent store is already stocking the halloween shit nice oh i just can't wait okay um i already bought witch shoes oh witch shoes i actually really for the first time almost succumbed to an instagram ad it's a it was a modern witch hat oh my god it looked so cute i might actually buy it nice yeah i bought a witch hat it's not like an official full witch hat it's one of those like um headband like little mini witch hats (gasps) yes i have one of those too i love it yeah i did buy one of those from the the michael's sale last year for like 99 cents oh i love it i love it i love it all so much yes oh my god as i'm like actually i'm (laughs) like might even uh head to michael's this afternoon see what they got do they already have stuff out michael's I would assume so if the 99 cent store does. Why wouldn't Michael's? I know. I don't know. Oh my God. I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. What else? I feel like there are a lot of little details left, but not necessarily a ton of big events. Because now I'm just thinking. Well, we did. So we we got Halloween. We Mm -hmm. got like the side mystery of Gil inch pot yeah yeah good work (laughs) um so we got that side mystery but we did at the very end start getting back into grandma gage's mystery so we got right a little bit more about her we had a conversation with her neighbor friend yeah who was in fucking love with quillerin yeah and who seemed like just a delight (laughs) yeah she did she Quillerin also has the same thought that he has had with, um, I think Grandma Gage herself. The oh, I've got a live wire here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is funny because I don't think these ladies are like. I mean, Grandma Gage I think was significantly older than Quillerin, but I don't think this lady was. No, this lady is potentially around his same age. Yeah, I think she said she was like in her sixties, which like is not that old in my mind yeah and no. i'm a, like a little bit questioning why she was in a retirement community but like i guess 60 is retirement age well she also could potentially so i i feel like this section really shed a ton of suspicion on the park of pink sunsets oh yeah for sure so she could be potentially in cahoots here i don't think she necessarily is but if there is anything suspicious at all about her i'm willing to throw her under the bus right now yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah she I mean she could be I kind of got the impression that she was not in cahoots that she was just kind of like maybe like a friendly nosy neighbor that like ended up in a sketchy retirement community without knowing yeah I think you might be right um because she served as kind of like the the like fun friend that would take grandma gage out to like the mall and take her out to lunch and things like that but apparently grandma gage was also in with the the owners or the managers of this property yeah and they would take her to like the racetracks you know so like i feel like they have a very different like role in her life and they seem like 
definitely pretty sketchy. Yeah. And we do get some, even before the big sketchy thing that happens late in this section, we do earlier get a few other little like, like head, head tilters, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like when Junior goes to Florida to kind of wrap up and, you know, take everything uh, of Grandma Gage's back to pickaxe. Um, there was a whole thing about, so they all have, it's a like a mobile home type um, setup. So Junior had gone down there to, you know, see what, what it would look like to sell her mobile home. And it turns out he did. And it turns out that he kind of, I don't know if it was like under contract to, that he had to sell it back to Park of Pink Sunsets, but basically Park of Pink Sunsets like gouged him. I don't think it was contractual. I think it was just like, they kind of manipulated him into being like, or even just strongly suggested. And he was like, fine, I don't care. I have to, I don't care enough about this. Um, they basically were like, okay, you pay us this much, which was like nowhere near what Grandma Gage had initially paid for it. So it was like really not getting their money back on it um, for Junior to sell it back to the Park of Pink Sunsets. And then they flipped it and turned it immediately. I mean, not flipped it in like the house flipping sense, but they they turned around and immediately sold it to a new resident apparently there's like a huge waiting list and they immediately sold it for like you know two three times whatever it was like they made a huge profit and then also way undersold um junior Mm -hmm. so that was very sketchy um they also seem to have a lot of like really crazy regulations oh yeah so like no one can have pets like they can't have people under 16 visiting them for like long periods of time and if they do they have to like pay for um like waivers or like different permits for things so it, it seems like you know you have to buy into the property but then like as a part of living down there you have to like pay for basically everything yeah they even had like a limo service that took people to and from like medical appointments i was gonna say the the friend that quillerin interviewed um he asked her why people want to live there because it seems like such a ripoff and she was like well they do have like a lot of perks like this limo service you know and like security and like a lot of things but you also have to pay for those things too (laughs) right so it's like so it's like is it worth it maybe maybe not but I mean people seem to want to be there and she did say that you know everyone kind of comes to that area from like other states and out of town so they do like provide a lot of connections in the community that like someone from out of state might not know about oh right right you know so they'll take care of like hooking them up with like an attorney or like you know whatever else they need in the community like a new bank you know things like that yeah Um, which I find a little bit suspicious yeah what we find out next oh a hundred percent because especially the attorney thing it's like you're if you're going to like I don't know I feel like lawyers especially are like very like you could any it's not like you're in a place and you could be like oh this lawyer's good I recommend him to someone else like you can't obviously can still I feel like there's a very like consultation-y type thing or recommendation type thing with lawyers but I feel like especially for what people need and like people are just so individual of like this person matches well with this person or like you know there's so much variable I feel like it's hard to be like do all of your wills old people through this one person or like you know yeah 
and especially with legal shit it's just so suspicious to be like everyone go to this one person like mm-hmm. that seems very red flaggy yeah for sure should we just go into the big yeah i think that's what's next oh okay wow Oof. yeah well take it away it's a big one um yeah so we have um everyone from the goodwinter family come in for a visit and for the will reading because apparently grandma gage has like really specific instructions like she doesn't want a funeral um she doesn't want any bagpipes which is (laughs) like a specific dig at um andrew brody <laughs> yeah because andrew brody apparently is the resident like plays bagpipes at every wedding and funeral and so she's yeah. like no bagpipes like, at my no. funeral please <laughs> which means like fuck you andrew brody <laughs> for all the tickets in my life <laughs> yeah which right the the reasoning was so funny because apparently it was because she got a lot of tickets which that apparently were paid anyway <laughs> right that she never paid anyway and like i would have to assume are mostly her fault yeah based on like they're probably just like speeding tickets or whatever (laughs) for sure like parking tickets or whatever yeah 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 but yeah she had like a whole long thing of like instructions for for her funeral or memorial service or whatever she wanted so um pug and what's the other sibling there's like two other siblings that fly in from california and montana yeah someone came in from la someone came in from Montana I think it was just the two and then I keep thinking Jody is a sibling but Jody is Junior's Jody's, wife yeah Jody is Junior's wife and she's very pregnant right now so she's like not really a part of this story I'm sure she right. will go into labor at some point during this book but we haven't gotten there yet yeah she's mostly just like an information dispenser at this point mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so the the two siblings fly in for this uh will reading and so they they have the will reading with just the the three siblings and then they all come to somewhere where were they meeting Quillerin? they were like it was the was old it like a dinner hall. yeah it was yeah. dinner Quillerin from the beginning when junior's like oh my all my siblings oh are right yeah yeah Quillerin's like oh i'll take you all to dinner come out yeah. on third or wednesday night mm-hmm. and it right just happens to be right after the will reading and so Quillerin yeah. is sitting at the old stone mill with polly and they're just waiting and waiting. They're not there yet. <clears throat> Excuse me. They're not there yet. And they just keep, you know, kind of wondering what's happened. And so finally Quillerin calls Jody or calls Junior's house to be like, are you there? What's happening? And Jody picks up and is like, sorry, I couldn't make it. I'm the most pregnant. And uh, that, but is like, I, they're st- they left here a while ago for the will reading. They must still be there. Yeah. So they all show up. Um and all look very upset yeah they're in the worst moods they're in super terrible moods and so we hear from one of the two that flew in they were like i can't believe we flew in for this we each got a hundred dollars like this probably doesn't even cover our plane ticket or our like travel expenses like this is the stupidest i can't believe that she did this to us like what a bitch (laughs) right and it does seem more like because at first i was like oh, are they trying to set up like a family or like siblings that are kind of like, you know, money grabbing or whatever. And no, I think it's really just that like they are seeing all the other like really pointed ways that she and her will is like, and fuck you and fuck you and fuck you. Mm -hmm. And like this seemed kind of in that same vein. 
Yeah, but Quillerin isn't quite as convinced because he hears that and he's like, wasn't she actually really generous with you in her life? And they were yeah. like, yeah, I mean, she put us all through college, but she also had like kind of weird stipulations on it. Like it was kind of free money. Like we didn't have to pay it back, but we did have to like make choices that she approved of. And so like the two who flew in both like sort of like didn't get disowned but kind of got on her bad side for like moving to the west coast and for like not becoming a doctor or something like that right um and so they were kind of like oh this is just her way of like getting back at us or whatever um but it was kind of unclear why why junior would have gotten like cut out because i think he was always on her good side so i like i feel like that part was a little suspicious yeah and then for the, sure the, well the next part is extra oh, suspicious yes sorry before we even get to that i was gonna ask didn't we learn in a previous book or maybe even early in this book i feel like there's somewhere in my head that remembers that junior somehow had seen her previous will and knew that he was getting a lot well, she- from her she said in a previous book and I think it was it was mentioned in like an earlier chapter in this book that Junior was going to be her sole heir oh but when Quillerin asked Junior about it in this book he was like yeah she said that but I feel like that was just her trying to get me to do something at that moment (laughs) so it wasn't like I don't think he saw her will I think she was just like oh Junior (laughs) oh Oh, soul like, do air this thing for me and come sweep up my... my soul air. Yeah, come blow all my uh, mm. my leaves into the into the gutters, which was like a whole thing that was happening in the entire town. Yeah, or like give me a grandchild and yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll write you I'll in as you my soul air. So, gotcha. the, uh, so it was. I mean, we get so many descriptors of Grandma Gage in this book like Quillerin has a list of them going and like half of them are positive but just as many are negative so we're not like quite sure about her I think we're kind of like meant to be a little bit up in the air on her character whether or not we should believe she would cut out all of her family in her will or not like it's a little bit of a mystery still yeah for sure um but yeah I think that that kind of goes into it as well Junior being like yeah I could be her sole heir or she could have just been like fucking with me fair um but apparently in her will that is as of now as of her her death uh none of them were the sole heir and the only the only heir that she has is her her retirement community the park of pink suspicious sunsets yeah so that's what we learn is uh quillerin asks well if you guys didn't get any of her uh her inheritance who did and they were like the retirement home so that leads us to be very suspicious that this is maybe a doctored will or a forced forced change in her will or something some sort of shenanigans went on. Yeah, because we do also find, too, I think we learned earlier in the, I think it was maybe even earlier in the book, like last episode, we also learned that 
the her new will was actually found in the office of the park of pink sunset so it wasn't even like on her in her belongings it was in the official like the administration belongings of the which i actually don't know about retirement homes i don't know if that's anything like maybe they would have people's wills but it seems suspicious to me yeah it seems a little suspicious to me too but i'm hopeful because there's uh there's well we a couple of other things well actually just like one other thing happens that i think is a clue but one other little detail that we learned is that there is one locked closet in the house oh i i am so fucking excited for that locked closet so we coco is very excited about this locked (laughs) closet because as we all know cats do not like doors that they cannot get into (laughs) literally living that right now even to try to record the cats do not like this closed door happening yeah yeah and I mean like for the first like six months that I uh was living at home with Ari and Chuni, Ari would just like sit outside of the green room door and like scream oh yeah every time I'm home for Christmas I hear her at one point at some point at night yeah I feel like the green room door is like a a point of contention for her yeah her white whale (laughs) her Moby Dick (laughs) yeah she she wants that door open so bad but yeah cats do not like closed doors coco does not like this locked closet um so i think we're gonna get it open eventually because Lori bomba's yeah. husband god bless him is oh, like so excited about all of Colorin's mysteries and he was like i'm gonna come pick this lock for you <laughs> yeah this is like the one friend oh and i remember i found out his actual job i remember a previous He's a prison guard. Yeah, right? he, well, he's a, yeah. a prison engineer, so I think oh. he like maybe helps in some like administrative way with the prisons. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, he's like it's cool because he's like that one friend that I feel like a lot of us can relate to. Of like, he to Quillerin, like Quillerin can't really talk about his interest in crime and mysteries with Polly or Arch or Junior or anyone else he like sees on a regular basis. But Nick totally gets it, and Nick's like, yeah, I want to talk to and he also Quillerin goes through of like Nick has such a good eye too he's so observant mm-hmm. and so he also is like yeah he kind of like not only can talk through everything with Nick but also can be like so what have you seen around town yeah I also think like since most people kind of roll their eyes a little bit at his like crazy theories he's like super grateful for Nick like indulging all of his yeah. like <laughs> kind of out there like weird hunches yeah you know, he never gets shot down it's always like oh yeah that sounds super interesting i'm yeah. into that i'll help out when right. like what do you need me to do oh, ask away yeah for sure so what we get with nick is that uh quiller kind of plants the seed of gil Inchpot's disappearance just to be like what have you heard about him what about the disappearance and Nick's like, oh, yeah, I'm, like, listening into that. Oh, there is one last clue we get at the very end. Mm-hmm. Should we do that now, or are there a few other things that we should... I feel like we should talk about the dentures. Coco finds dentures in one of the closets. Oh, yeah, so Coco finds um, a bunch of things in all the closets. Yeah, so he, he found, like, the the purple ribbon last time. He found, like, a couple of other things this time that were like added to the list but one of the the things that we see him pull out is a like pair of dentures I don't know it was like half a denture yeah it was kind of it was hard to visualize but yeah maybe it was yeah. just like the lower plate like the bottom yeah. set 
Right. So Quillerin kind of like tackles him to the ground with like <laughs> gross dentures and like throws it in the drawer and we kind of like forget about it for a while. But then um, Nancy, the daughter, the farm farmhand dog sledder um, <laughs> calls Quillerin and is like, I just realized something. I walked into uh, my dad's house and his dentures were on, they were, they were still on his side table and he never leaves without them. Yeah. So like, that's another clue that might uh, kind of allude to him not leaving of his own accord or like having to leave or being forced to leave uh, in a rush yeah and you know what I just remembered the other thing Nick says too is that um we've only gotten the picture of like Dan the sheriff's deputy being a lughead and Mm -hmm. uh, or a lumphead and you know we kind of but so we'll kind of get the sense that like maybe it didn't work out between him and Nancy for just normal like he sucks reasons mm-hmm. but isn't it Nick I think that says like oh no I know Dan um, and from what I've heard the dad Gil Inchpot was more he calls him a bully at home he was nice out to everyone else but that he was quote unquote a bully at home and that he was part of the reason that Dan and Nancy broke up yeah and we get that a little bit too when Quillerin was talking to um the bartender at that one because the bartender was like oh yeah like I uh when Nancy came back from Alaska like I I had a little thing for her then too but like her dad didn't like me so it didn't work out so we get kind of the sense that that like maybe Nancy has like she got married in secret um and so maybe she's had like some uh some bad luck with getting her her dad's approval of guys like maybe it's been like not necessarily her that's or the like whoever she is dating like it's not necessarily them that is making it not work out like Mm -hmm. it could be that yeah. her, her dad is like interfering a little bit with like all of her her dating prospects yeah exactly and like I have to admit I I am you know always immediately suspicious of you know men basically law and, like law enforcement <laughs> men in power like anything so I was really yeah. ready to believe that Dan I mean I still kind of think Dan it also kind of throws suspicion onto Dan of like maybe Dan actually yeah did something I think it, yeah, it works exactly what I was thinking yeah but it also puts it back on Nancy whereas I was kind of thinking more of like Nancy had kind of escaped him whether he was like emotionally abusive or like just sucked but it it sounds like maybe, and this could also still be gossip, like there is also talk throughout it of like, this is all gossip, but that she might actually still be in love with Dan. Yeah. I mean, I could see that, but I could also see him being the reason that this dad has disappeared. If well, he's like a little bit of an asshole and like trying to make it work, but like, you know trying to force it and like get rid of anything that's in the way no for sure and it could still be both i mean i don't Mm -hmm. i don't think nancy's involved in her father's disappearance but it could be that yeah you're right like dan's trying to make it work because nancy's still in love with him but the dad's still around things lead to dark places yeah well we'll see we'll find out in the next chapters yeah yeah we'll find out Uh but we did get one last clue about grandma gauge, um, which is a little bit of a cliffhanger that I'm excited to, 
to hear more about. Um, Well, we did get, uh, so back to the locked closet, one last little tidbit. When Quilleran mentions the locked closet to Junior, he said, oh, that's just full of her, like, papers and shit. I'm supposed to burn it immediately, or I'm supposed (laughs) to, like, shred it or get rid of it immediately, which is like, um, okay, but that sounds important, so maybe we should go through it first. So I'm excited that Quilleran's getting that closet unlocked and that yeah, he's gonna get first crack at reading it yep because thank god for nick again because nick says like oh yeah i have a lock pick kit i'll come back mm-hmm. and i'll lock, i'll pick that lock for you and yeah. so yeah we better hope that quiller and nick get to that first before like i mean and junior's obviously not nefarious in any way but yeah and unless someone he's else just comes- following instructions i think he's just kind of like done with the whole ordeal he doesn't yeah. want to look into it at all he's just like get it over with like get this yeah chapter of my life closed like i want to go back to normal because my wife is super pregnant we're about to have a baby i don't have time for this yeah oh the other impending thing is that junior has gotten an offer on the house that quillerin is living in on grandma gage's house and so we're not supposed to tell polly so everyone keep it quiet (laughs) because polly's going to be super upset because she's been living in that carriage house for a long time um and now they have a pretty sweet setup where they like basically live together uh, polly and quillerin but apparently Junior got this huge offer from some random conglomeration that he doesn't even know anything about. And it's weird because Quillerin doesn't seem suspicious of that. Quillerin was like, oh, yeah, take the money and run. Don't ask questions, which is very not Quillerin-esque. Yeah, it's not Quillerin-esque, but also, like, I mean, it might just be, like, a developer. <laughs> That's <laughs> Which, true. like, Quillerin's been pretty supportive the entire time like he the zoning in pickaxe does not allow for those houses to be like knocked down and rezoned but we've gotten cooler and like gunning for the rezoning of this street for like you know a couple books in a row now he's like wouldn't it be great if these all got knocked down and like high rises went in no he wants them to be rezoned for businesses i think he wants to keep the historic houses but i think he wants businesses to be able to run out of them which they can't currently yeah i think he wanted apartments too oh like i thought he mentioned like these houses are too big for anyone to live in like they need to be rezoned for apartments oh gotcha I think he's thinking of, like, the economy of pickaxe more than the history of it. But, I mean, he could have been thinking about, like, just, like, you know, cut the houses in to, like, you know, four different apartments each type of deal. Yeah. Oh, there was one last thing I wanted to mention, too. We need merch that says Coco for Pickaxe Mayor because there is um, a, yeah. a whole side thing. I mean, it is really small. It doesn't really matter at least now about the pickaxe elections. Um, And I mean, there are all these different incumbents and the, or all these different um, candidates. And it turns out the incumbent, the like mayor currently gets reelected, but there are all these different people vying for the mayor seat. Um, And Nick is the one that's like, Oh, you should, you should uh, run Quillerin. And Quillerin's like, I'd rather see Coco on the ballot. So I'm just saying (laughs) Coco for mayor. Coco for mayor. <laughs> yes. But yeah, I think that's it. So far, it's very... No, last, we didn't... What? <laughs> we didn't give the last clue. Really? Yeah. Oh, no. 
<laughs> so the last clue, um, Quillern gets an envelope from Florida. <gasps> oh, that's right. And yeah, so this is the cliffhanger. Oh, that, this is such um, a, how did I forget this? This is such a good cliffhanger. Yeah. So he he opens it up. It's a letter from the neighbor that he talked to on the phone. And it was just kind of like, a, oh, it was, you know, like, so great to talk to you. And, uh, you know, hope you, like, I don't know, hope your, you know, investigation's going well. Like, let me know if you need anything else. Here's a picture if it helps. Um, and so he pulls out the picture and it's grandma gage and this neighbor friend and like a couple of other people from the retirement community um but as he's looking at them coco comes up to take a sniff and like takes a few licks so we don't know photo liquor yeah the photo liquor so we know that coco in the past has licked uh the uh important photos photos. yeah licked the photos of you know whoever is guilty of whatever quillern is looking into at the time Mm -hmm. um so we don't get a description of who coco licked but quillern does take a second look at the photo and is like wait a second like i recognize this person where do i know this person from um, and we don't get an answer, but we do are we are now very suspicious of someone in the photo who Quillerin has apparently met before. I have a conspiracy theory that I just okay. came up with now. Okay. Hear me out. Yeah. So do you remember Melinda? Yes. Could it be? I know that Melinda and her brother are thought to be dead. Yeah. what if it's them disguised because melinda and um her brother are obviously related to junior related to grandma gage what if melinda her brother and grandma gage were running some kind of shady retirement center to scam old people out of their out of their money and this and is grandma gage was the last to fake her death <gasps> oh my god grandma gage faked her death <gasps> oh my god so now they... all of them have faked their death they're all assumed to be dead and they can just run off with the money together yeah oh, yeah they're in fucking cabo right now yeah for sure okay well let's see if lillian jackson Brown came up with that as well <laughs> Gil Inchpot's in there somewhere. He's providing the potatoes for the Great Escape. Yep. All right, that may not be it, but <laughs> but you never know. You never know. Okay. Um, are we missing anything else? I feel like I now am, am worried that I'm missing everything. Uh, no, I think that was it. Okay. Yeah, I am just so happy to be back at the Cat Who. I really, I really just love these silly silly books yeah they're pretty ridiculous but oh. i'm excited I'm i know excited to see what comes next me too can't wait to get that fucking closet open yeah give us the closet oh the closet it's gonna be empty <laughs> <laughs> but that alone will be a clue yeah someone raided the closet oh my god someone raided the fucking closet coco's gonna be so mad he can't like pull clues out of it oh well thanks for listening guys we are just so grateful that you're tuning in to our cozy mystery cozy times Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh yeah we'll we'll bring you the uh 
the so I, hopefully some answers hopefully some more clues next time and then we'll have two more um well one more oh i'm doing a horrible time with numbers uh we'll have two more episodes of the cat who and then we'll have some other fun things down the line that we've got planned for the fall and yeah. yes Ooh. yeah yeah so stay tuned for some more clues and uh and cliffhangers and conclusions clues cliffhangers conclusions yes the three c's oh the three c's of the cozy mystery <gasps> wait there are four c's cozy mystery the quadruple c <laughs> yeah heard it here first <laughs> well thanks again for listening guys we'll be back next time with more clues cozy mysteries conclusions and i already forgot the fourth one and cats oh and cats that's like five now yeah oh my god okay conclusions cliffhangers cliffhangers that was the one cozy mystery conclusions cliffhangers and cats oh my god we need one of those shirts now you know like the queer eye guys listed or like the npr people listed you know like antony and bobby and jvn and we need clues and cats and cozy mysteries and i'm gonna make that actually i could make that cliffhangers cliffhangers and clues and clues and there was another one <laughs> it's okay i'll get a, i'll write them all down as we've spouted them all like 27 times i'm gonna hate us when i'm editing this later and being like it's just all of these you dummies <laughs> yeah okay bye okay, bye <laughs>